Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 66 of the Hunger for the Hustle podcast, the podcast where we dive deep into the world of business and entrepreneurship and give you, the viewers, a look behind what's often seen as the glamorous curtain of entrepreneurship, because let me tell you, it's not all that glamorous. My guest today, Roman, <clears throat> excuse me, Roman, I'm going to try with this one. We didn't even discuss it before off camera. I hope I get it right. Roman Pro Kopchuk. Yeah, I, I got that wrong. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> awesome. Roman came to the USA as an immigrant, and the story that followed is truly amazing. It involves the Secret Service. It involves uh, a, a struggle with many miscarriages, in fact, five in three years, and fostering over 22 children. Then, in 2008, Roman got hit by the financial crisis that many of us did, and started a digital marketing business as a necessity to survive. I can't wait to dive into it with Roman today. Roman, welcome to the show. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me on. It's my absolute pleasure. So, Roman, let's tell us a bit about your story. You know, you got into digital marketing through a necessity out of the 2008 crisis. A lot of people just folded and failed in that. What did you do before you had the digital marketing business? Yeah, so that was actually like right when I graduated college. So prior two years into college, I was actually training with the Marine Corps in a civilian capacity um, to possibly become an officer. So in the U.S., if you want to go into Marine Corps, you have a bachelor's degree, you can get a commission as a second lieutenant. So you go to officer training in Quantico, Virginia, you do it, and then you get commissioned as a second lieutenant, get a unit. But I got a bacteria called H. pylori, which uh, caused the ulcer in my stomach for years that I didn't know what it was, you know, caused from. And I ended up not being able to go or pass the physical fitness test before going. So I guess maybe it's a blessing in disguise. I probably would have passed away in the training because of that, because I was coughing up blood and stuff like that. And um, next year, my senior year, my last semester, I interned with the Secret Service at a top secret federal clearance on the counterfeit currency squad. So I thought I was going to go the criminal justice route, probably federal. I was interested in like psychology and forensics and things of that nature. And then, like you said, the economy hit right when I graduated. So state, local, federal agencies froze hiring. So I was applying for months and months, couldn't find anything, was you know down and depressed. Only thing that really kind of kept me sane was going to the gym. So I met someone prior at the gym and basically we struck up a conversation and opportunity presented itself. I went basically outside, they handed me a packet about search engine optimization and then kind of the rest is history. Yeah, no, what a cool story. Hey, look, one thing I noticed you mentioned there is the gym kept you saying, man, I think that's that, that rings true this year for a lot of people. I can relate because I haven't been going because it's been closed and it's been absolutely doing my head in, man. So it is, it's, it's good to have that solid, that rock, that, that place for me, like gym is, I'm not a religious person, but the gym is like my church. I don't know if you can align with that, where it's just like you work everything out from the day that's not been good, you know, and it gets left there. Uh, I just get in there, get the Metallica on and just get into it. Yeah, I agree. Um, it was kind of my quiet place, place where I can think, kind of um, get a clear mind. Uh, and like you said, if something was going on or bothering me, I could do a really hard workout, just get in there 40, 45 minutes. I kind of, like you said, leave it there and clear my head and then go go about my day. Mm, mm, yeah, yeah, for sure. It's uh, 
it's it's good for the mind the body and the soul and actually i, I think in fact everyone around you really that you're connecting with because a better you gives out a better you and then you get a better better response back i think so but let's let's rewind a little bit roman back from that because i know you you grew up in originally in ukraine and you moved to the us when you were four years old what was it like growing up in the us as a as an immigrant with your family you know tell us a bit more about about that story yeah, so I was born in Lviv, Ukraine, which is uh, closer to um, it, the Polish border. So it's on the western side. It's a uh, UNESCO World Heritage Site. It's a city over uh, 750 years old. It was founded kind of by the Vikings, which is cool history. City of the Lion. Um, and I came through Vienna, Austria, Rome, Italy to kind of get here. That was kind of the path. Obviously, it was still communism. Ukraine got its independence in 1992. We had a sponsor. Mm -hmm. A distant family member, which you needed in terms of, you know, getting to the U.S. at that point. We stayed with them for about three, four weeks, and then we had to get an apartment. Like I said, a two-bedroom apartment. My grandparents were already retired in uh, Ukraine, and they had to start working. So basically everybody worked, um, whatever they could, construction, uh, house housekeeping, things of that nature. And then for me, it was a lot easier because I went right into kindergarten. So I learned the language there. I think it took me maybe, you know, a year and a half, two years to really be fluent without much of an accent. And obviously, if you learn a language before a certain age, the way your brain's programmed, you kind of don't retain an accent, which was good for me. Obviously, if I had an accent, okay. But for me, it was just like childhood. I didn't think anything of it. Obviously, learning yeah. the language, I guess, was the hardest point. But I, 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 Thing I got assimilated well into kind of the culture and, you know, people accepted me as, you know, one of their own. Obviously, the U.S. is a country of immigrants from all over the world. So I didn't really have a, a problem adapting as a child. No, no, I guess, you know, when you move at such a young age, it's not really a struggle. It just becomes normal for you. I, I'm sure that I'm not going to speak for you, but I guess you, you certainly remember a lot more of your life since you came uh, to the U.S. than what you do before you're four years old. I can't remember much before I was uh, four years old, that's for sure. Yeah, uh, some things. I mean, I remember like standing in bread lines with my mom for a few hours. Um, we went to church. You know, we believed in God. So obviously under communism, technically, it's only the state, no God. So there were negative repercussions for people that went to church. You know, the, the KGB followed you around. You know, we're, we're parked outside of the church, stuff like that. So I remember all that, like lights being shut off, hot water being shut off at night. So there were those things. But then it was also, like I said, like that was the norm at that time. You don't really consider that at that age. Or if that's your kind of everyday thing, you just kind of deal with it and go about your day. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. So, so it was you, your brothers and sisters, if you had any, your parents and your grandparents. So three generations came over and you all lived in two-bedroom place. Yeah, so it was myself, my brother, who was um, 11 months at the time, uh, my mom, my dad, my grandmother, grandfather, and my aunt. Wow, so seven of you, yeah, seven, two, four, yeah. Seven of you living in a two-bed place, man. That's pretty <laughs> pretty hectic. And then and then you came out of school, went into the military, like you said. That didn't work out. So then 2008, you know, that hits, boom, and, and you decide you're going to start an agency. It was that you said you connected with someone at the gym, started talking about SEO. And then and in, what was the moment where you thought, do you know what? I can do this. I'm going to do my own agency. I'm going to start providing this service for others. 
Yeah, so basically we we talked before and at that time, you know, we we saw each other at the gym. He had a business. Basically one day he said, "Come out to my car, you know, after your workout," which obviously could have went several ways. I mean, usually in the movie, <laughs> somebody opens their trunk and there's like a like a kilo of a substance you shouldn't, you know, be in possession of. <laughs> so, basically it was like that. They they open their trunk and hand me a packet, about a 50-page packet. About search engine optimization they said read up this go online for another month or two and you can do it for my business so that's how i kind of got my start i did that for a few months and then i got uh, a job at a company called lexus nexus dealing with legal uh law law firm legal clients which i i did for about uh three years or so uh small medium large size law firms managed portfolio of you know seven figures different contracts you know 100k or higher that's where I had a portfolio of clients to really learn. I believe like mm -hmm. there's one thing learning something from a book and another thing and really being in the trenches and really applying things. And then being there that I saw, obviously I had a passion for it. I was good enough for it. And then in 2012, I, you know, formally formed my uh, agency and, and took that to kind of the next level. Yeah, that's awesome. 2012. And then fast forward to eight years later, how's the agency doing today? And, and the kind of, you know what kind of what kind of work are you doing with it today? I'd imagine it's fast forwarded quite a bit from just SEO. Yeah, so SEO and 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 the internet was still it's an in, infancy. So social media was in its infancy. There weren't that many platforms, and now you see obviously all the platforms. You know when a platform starts re, uh, starts off like Facebook did, it was all organic. So or, organic reach wasn't capped. There wasn't no really paid model. Then you know they introduced a. Uh, a monetizing platform or obviously monetizing, you know, their business and you get paid social. So I got into organic social, paid social, paid search, uh, content strategy, local search, uh, online reputation management, analytics, and kind of broadened my scope. Obviously, search engine optimization was my, my core pillar of knowledge, but then I understood that that ecosystem connected. So spread out through that. And then different clients in verticals like pharma, life sciences, financial services, some consumer goods, um, some you know celebrities, if you will, in the U.S. stuff like that, and a lot of pro bono stuff because I try to kind of give back in terms of my time and expertise as well. Mm, that's awesome, man. Yeah, it's awesome that you do that. I think it's um, it's important. I saw that you. Um, you know, I saw that you met with Gary Vee. Gary Vee is someone I follow <clears throat> religiously almost. I've read many of his books and um, he's someone who's big about the pro bono, you know, just giving out, giving out, giving out your knowledge, giving out, you know, your time to a certain degree. Um, and, you know, there's, there's value to that, of course, for yourself down the line, because whatever you give out, you get back. But that's not why you do it in, in the first place at all. So, yeah, man, respect that. Good on you for that. One thing you mentioned there was, about that that golden era and i kind of remember it when you know it was just organic on 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 facebook and then they they came along with paid and then it was the same with instagram instagram came in and it was like oh you can get loads of you can get loads of traction here organically without having to spend any dollars that, that those those days are gone for sure with those platforms but now we've seen like what used to be musically um i didn't even know it used to be called musically actually until i read crushing it um, and then now it's TikTok and, and now like the organic is, I mean, you explain because you would know better than me. There's kind of the organic is reaches there, but I know they've got the paid stuff that they're bringing in as well. 
Yeah, so I mean, usually when a um, a social media platform moves into the paid model, they start capping organic reach. So, like on Facebook, even though you may have, let's say, ten thousand, you know, friends, or if it's a page, uh, followers, you know, only certain a percentage tap into it or see it. So it's never that a hundred percent like it was before. So even to get every one of your followers or friends to see it, then you have to pay, you know, to blanket that. And then obviously, if you want to target other demographics to grow and expand your reach, you have the opportunity to do so. And obviously, like you mentioned, getting in on the ground floor is always key. So it's important, even though like a platform like TikTok, for a while when it was musically, I kind of knocked it because literally it was all little kids lip syncing, dancing, whatnot. And now TikTok, you can see a lot of creators, uh, a lot of industries, a lot of businesses utilizing it because there's still that organic reach. So you get on the For You page and you know a post can go viral. Actually, there was one in the US, there was a guy, he was living in a trailer. I mean, he was almost homeless. He had a ocean spray cranberry juice on the skateboard and he played it to some specific song and the thing went up viral. So ocean spray saw it, they got him a car, You know, it was filled with ocean spray. Then he has a house now, like a month later, he has a, you know, a publishing house and the publicist representing him, he has like, 10 15 million i think um followers on TikTok, and now he has the leverage so obviously companies come to him individual come to him in terms of product placement and direct advertising so when you get that kind of leverage regardless of what you're doing that's key and you can kind of call the shots and you know carve your own path in that way mm, exactly that's an awesome story man i've never heard that story before and, and what do you think you know i know it's probably hard to put like a frame on it but of course this 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 golden age of of getting this traction for essentially free on TikTok will disappear. Do you think like, where, do you know, like have any idea or concept of when that'll be? I mean, honestly, like in the next year or two is gonna start getting capped and capped. I mean, they rolled out their paid model, which is still kind of pennies on a dollar and they're still getting, trying to get people to implement it. But I would give it that time frame. So right now it's still not too late to kind of jump into it. And see what you can do obviously growing a following as big as possible and then if anything obviously there were scares of TikTok being banned in the us other countries so you know building mm -hmm. that following and possibly moving them over if they are loyal and they follow you for content or who they are moving them over to you know something you control like your website you know uh creating in terms of a, a subset or a follower or listenership in terms of a YouTube channel, if you have that. So if anything happens, kind of not putting all your eggs in one basket, because I mean, somebody acquires 10 million followers and has revenue coming from that. If the platform is banned, it's beyond your control. So having control and leverage and, and moving that to a place where you can control that. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's cool. I think that's really good, valuable information for anyone who's watching, who hasn't got involved in TikTok yet, who still sees it as this lip syncing app for kids, because course it's become a lot more than that now it's really diversified just off camera roman we were talking about what you the content you've put on tiktok and you know the struggles that you've had and um, correct me if i'm wrong i might have the numbers wrong was it five miscarriages in three years or three miscarriages in five years uh it was unfortunately five in three years so yeah yeah, yeah. which is you know my heart goes out to you for that man that must have been really difficult and uh, look truly sending you my love and blessings on that but you 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 managed to actually take you know some content and some value particularly from the male perspective of of what you experienced there and also the enormous fact that from june last year you've had 22 um different children that you fostered in your house and you put that content onto tiktok um which is 
I was quite surprised kind of when you said that to me because it's I do I'll, I'll be completely honest I still see TikTok as it's not just lip syncing and it's for kids it's obviously a lot more than that but that content is quite different quite niche and particularly like you, you know we said on off camera from from the male perspective but it's given a lot of value to quite a niche audience hasn't it yeah and i think being genuine obviously there's a lot of content that's super uh visually appealing very edited like very promotional and there's other people that just stand you know behind the white wall and share their feelings and are genuine about it i think a lot of content that really connects emotionally does very well so story is about like you know loss or overcoming something like uh you know a disease like cancer or losing a child or anything because there's a lot of people out there that have experienced similar situations. So I feel content like that, not that it's inauthentic, that I encourage you just to shove content and, and connect emotionally. But if you have that and you feel like sharing it and it'll help somebody, just sharing it in a genuine manner. Mm, yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think authenticity is like really important across the platforms because you know there's, there's so much content out there and so much of it just isn't authentic i mean it sticks out like a sore thumb now if you know what you're looking for because it's just you can just tell it looks too good it looks too shiny it looks too fresh so if you're like just documenting what you've been through and someone else sees that who's been through a similar thing or is interested in perhaps that journey or, or that subject matter no matter how niche it might be just coming from a place of documenting the experience and talking about it and just being fully authentic and open is only going to be a win-win um for, for you as, as the person who's creating the content and of course for the people who who are receiving it you know the audience yeah i mean i think it's authentic or important to be authentic all around so if you're a individual obviously if you don't want to quote unquote brand yourself everything you're doing and anything you're doing that's visible is branding yourself you're creating an identity for yourself so really showing who you are obviously some people are uncomfortable sharing with some of the stuff that they've dealt with but it adds a human side. So it's not only, like you said, these picture perfect images or posts in terms of an individual or brand, uh, you know, connect emotionally and, and show who you really are. Yeah, absolutely. They say, uh, saying I heard once is how you do anything is how you do everything, right? And of course, you can, you can change that. You can change how you do anything and everything pretty quickly. But yeah, just it's as particularly as you know i i know from from the links you sent me you're you're working with like four five six different platforms probably more than that different platforms right so it's it's important that and and they ha all have their different place and their different thing of course people are you know people are looking at twitter perhaps for news people are looking at um TikTok perhaps for entertaining or short form content that's you know very easily digestible facebook you know they're probably catching up with friends and family so it's important to make the content specifically for the platform and to adhere to what the audience is probably doing on there. But being like across the board, yeah, authentic man, really, really agree with you, down with you on that. So let's let's get into perhaps some of your challenges. I always like to, in business, I always like to talk about the challenges in business. I find that when your back's up against the wall, when you're into the corner, when you're at the, the low dip of the roller coaster, not the high dip, and you've got to get yourself out, of it uh that's where the lessons come and whenever we i've opened up and discussed this on the podcast the audience certainly gets a lot of value out of learning people's challenges in business so perhaps you could share some of yours with us yeah i mean so i think scaling i think uh dealing kind of like the, the first time you get screwed over um 
obviously I'd recommend have everything in writing because a lot of stuff uh, you, you may want to do business or whatever you're trying to do with friends, family. And it's one of those things where like, you know, nobody sees it's on, the deals on a handshake and then there's no, you know, things on the paper, which are responsibilities or specifics to, you know, what's promised or how much is owed or how much is paid. And it's like learning that for the first time really shows where you should really document and have a formal process for obviously contracts, dealing with clients, what your kind of policy, create a policy how to work with with family members friends because oftentimes over money those friendships and you know family relationships can get strained so things like that and then situations where like you're only one person so figuring out what is truly you're good at and what do you want to do for your business kind of the top level thing so if you're the best at sales or if you're you know head of marketing you created an agency if you want to just be in charge of you know strategy and different things in terms of insights and stuff like that and new business and figuring out who can do the day-to-day -day, who can do that in the trenches work because you're like i said you only have 24 hours well uh, you need to sleep so if you're going to throw all of that on your shoulders it's kind of hard to scale without one a process so developing a process for everything you do in your business so then if you hire someone you can plug them in and teach them a lot faster than you know just sit down and share your knowledge with them, have a formal process for it, formal documentation, so you can really uh, standardize and be able to onboard more clients at a rapid manner. Um, at some point, obviously, you wanna get to a point where the, the clients align with your core values and who you are as a business. Obviously, it's tough when you're scaling, so you may have to take clients that are kind of like annoying, <laughs> I mean, not annoying, annoying, but you know what I mean, um, I in terms you. of like over coddling and, and emailing calling every five seconds and you know sometimes spending not that much but requesting work that's like 10x in terms of what they were promised and things of that nature so learning if you do get to a point obviously it's it's hard when like to fire a client obviously because sometimes a client may be sucking all that um all that time and manpower that you're kind of neglecting the clients that are actually happy the clients that you know, pay on time, the clients that you can scale, and that can really lead to issues with morale for yourself and your employees and things of that nature as well. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot there, man. There's a lot there for sure. And one thing I know about is getting things down on paper, you know, uh, a handshake agreement, doesn't matter who it's with, friends and family, uh, things can get interesting once money gets involved. I've experienced that personally, you know, it's someone, someone you you trust and sometimes often love but money money can blur the lines with that a little bit so got to get it written down got to get it written down by an official i would say as well like uh you know an attorney uh lawyer accountant something like that it depends what it pertains to obviously what you're dealing with but yeah get it written down get it written down for sure and then let's 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 talk about you know some of your triumphs like like a real some points that you pick out and you're like, yeah, I'm, you know, when you were like, yes, this is me, I'm doing the right thing. I'm really proud to have this company and that it's mine and that, you know, I've built it up. Um, well, well, I try to help as many people as possible, even if I can't physically like help them directly. So if somebody comes to me that may not have the marketing or advertising spend, at least point them on the right direction. So jump on a call, jump on a Zoom and figure out 15, 20 minutes what they're looking to do and really show them what they need to do to reach the level of success that they're looking for in terms of their goals online and what that looks like from a normal 
pricing standpoint uh, in terms of an agency because there's a lot of people out there that promise the world kind of snake oil salesmen and then you know screw somebody over and then they get a horrible kind of uh, impression of digital marketing or agencies or marketers as a whole. So I try to avoid that. There's situations where people brought contracts that they've got from other companies and you know five minutes I look at it and just kind of pick it apart and, and basically tell them what they're looking for or what they're going to get for that price. And just helping people avoid, you know, issues that they don't need to go through. So especially when businesses are growing, they don't need that kind of burden where their money was basically taken and nothing of value was really, you know, presented to them that. And I think a lot of, um, you know, pro bono stuff that I've done to help different charities and organizations that was, you know, solely because that was the right thing to do or obviously things that. Um, in, in terms of business or in terms of a contract, sometimes taking over, if you don't baseline um, a campaign, regardless of what you're doing. So let's say search engine optimization, something may have been done in a sketchy manner in terms of a strategy before you took it over in the past. So really explaining that because some people you know, don't necessarily explain that or can charge for it, but kind of doing the right thing in the right situations because you know, money is money, but like your reputation kind of lasts forever. Yes, it does. For sure it does online. And, and it's amazing how much um, damage, I suppose, no better word for it, a bad review can do or a bad testimonial online because they're pretty hard to get rid of on a, you know, a, a lot of places you can't get rid of them. And quite frankly, you shouldn't be able to, I guess. It's fair. Um, you know, you got like 100, 100 good reviews and you get one bad one and somehow it seems to spread faster. Yeah, so it's something I haven't actually heard any marketer talk about before, like they're online the online reputation of their clients, but yeah, it's, it's certainly certainly a lot of lot of value there in that. It's got me got me thinking. We might have to talk to you off camera about getting some stuff sorted out for my companies for sure. Yeah, <laughs> it's not that I have like, a bad reputation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like reputation management. It's like your ethics mm -hmm. and your core values. So, like, somebody could come to you with a lot of money to fix something, but it's super unethical. So, like, there was a situation years ago. Somebody came to me. Um, that had a client that basically that client was a high powered um, on some board of a, you know, billion dollar company. He had an affair with some, you know, madam or something. And she wrote a, a tell all book and mentioned him by name. So her releasing this book and doing a media tour, tour, all these media outlets showed up his name and showed up his name on the first page. And basically his whole thing was like, all right, I, you can't obviously get it taken down because it's not like slander. It's like an actual mm -hmm. experience that's, I guess, documented through through different things that it actually happened. But he basically wanted to push it down as far as possible in the search results, which technically could have been done for a specific budget with a specific amount of time. But it was like one of those things where I don't want to necessarily associate with, with that effort, because if I do that, then I'm going to get all these sleazy clients that are like operating in this gray area. And I don't necessarily want to be known for that. Yeah, ethics come into it and, and balancing that off about, okay, look, it's a well-paid job, but where's the actual morals and ethics in it and how much of the same similar work is it going to bring me at a later date before you get to a point where you're like, I just don't want to do this work. I don't feel good about doing it. A question I've got, like I've had some good experiences in some agencies and I've had some not so good ones. I've, I tend to find that there's a lot of... Um, it's a space where a lot of people operate and a lot of them claim to be able to deliver the world. And then when it comes down to it, they deliver very little. So maybe like, 
How would you, if you were a client and you were looking for an agency, what were the kind of things you might be looking for and the questions you'd be asking to check that they were, you know, reputable, worth what they said they were, and perhaps even worth, you know, some of the high ticket prices that some of the agencies charge? Well, look for someone or, you know, a group of people or an agency that are results driven. So just because somebody says something or promises you something doesn't mean you should take it on face value and anything in life, especially in digital marketing, you should obviously do your due diligence. Things like obviously they have a client base, ask to speak to some of their clients that, you know, technically they say they're happy or they, you know, claim that they've achieved something. So just showing results. So if you're looking for a specific effort, so, you know, you want a, you know, paid search campaign or a media buy, which client do you have that you've done this for? What are the results? And, you know, what did they get out of it in terms of ROI? And maybe obviously sometimes there's NDAs and different things like that, but can we speak to somebody that, you know, you, you had a, a communication with at that company in terms of kind of firsthand how it is to work with you and, you know, what you really delivered for them. So really on understanding what you're going to get and really doing your due diligence in terms of understanding who each person at that company is or who that company is. Um, and what mm. they've done to clients and what are the actual results, not just hearsay or, you know, we can get you on the first page of Google in a week and, you know, get you, you know, 100,000 more visitors a month to your website. Like, that's cool. But like, let me demonstrate that you've actually done that. And then the plan for how you're actually going to do that for me. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a really good point you take on. I can definitely... The, the, the last thing you said, like, okay, yeah, I'm going to get you to the top, top search of Google. Well, there's more than one way, more than one way to do that. Some of them ways are quick, fast, and easy, but they don't lot, they don't have longevity. And then, like, okay, I'm going to get a hundred thousand more followers. Uh, sorry, drive a hundred thousand more people to your website, but they could be from people that are nothing to do with what you actually the product or service that you sell. Right? You know, they could just be from click farms or anything like that. Yep. So if it's not clearly defined and you don't define it in a contract, you know, a hundred thousand is a hundred thousand. They can all bounce, like you said. They can all be bots. Like, what are you actually getting? Are you getting qualified traffic, qualified leads, brand awareness? Are you building a brand? Are you taking brand equity from your competitors? What are you getting that's of value? Because a lot of things can look and, and feel like that's what you're getting, but it's just kind of, you know, a, a facade, just just a number. I mean, same thing in social. And regardless of whatever you do in terms of digital online, mm, and it's, I mean, it's one of those businesses that you're. It's not a completely tangible product, right? You have to, you have to go to some to some length to put your trust and belief into the person and what they're offering to you. And you're not, you're just not going to receive the results until it plays out. So, yeah, doing the diligence first to make sure they're reputable and they can can deliver on what they say they can do and do it in the right way. That's, that's the way forward. Yeah, and it, there's agencies which I'm not going to knock anybody's you know hustle what they do in terms of like okay you got them as a client you may not be adding a lot of value but you know that that's that's your expertise and skill set and that's the value you're, you're getting I don't really think that's valuable but I mean that's your livelihood so it's really knowing that and there's a lot of companies that are cookie cutter so you know you get a hundred links a month being built okay were they being built what countries they are, what domain authority, uh, are, am I getting referral traffic? 
all these questions, how relevant they are. You know, are they permanent? Are they gonna go away after a year, a month? So like none of these questions by somebody obviously that signs a check aren't necessarily asked and they don't necessarily understand that. And a lot of companies kind of uh, bank on that ignorance. So they're not dealing with another expert. And I love, like I said, to help people out and just jump in there, or jump on a call with this other agency and just straight like ask these questions and then they have no response. So it's one of those things that's like super satisfying to helping people avoid pitfalls in that sense. Yeah, yeah, I bet it is, I bet it is, yeah. Now let's talk about the word hustle. Just before we got off camera, uh, just before when we were off camera, sorry, it was about it was about 9 p.m., it's about half 9 p.m. where you are now. And you said you were gonna be grinding away until about 3 a.m. this morning, so you certainly know a thing or two about hustle there, Roman. But I'd love to know how you define hustle kind of and, and what drives your hunger for it yeah i think it's one of those things where it's like a relentless pursuit to whatever you're trying to achieve and regardless of what anyone's telling you and obviously not quitting in that process or that journey obviously you can hit a road bump a failure but learning from that pivoting from that either redefining what you're doing or moving on to some something else that makes sense so it's kind of re a relentless pursuit of your goals and i mean one example is my podcast. So I started my podcast like three and a half years ago. If I really wanted to do it when I wanted to do it, it would probably be more like six or seven, which obviously it would have been a lot further, but you know, I'm still doing what I'm doing. And there, there's all the kind of things in the back of your head. So, you know, how am I going to syndicate it? What about the technical aspect of it? What about audio engineering? What about uh, uh, promoting it? I don't have time. So I think there's always going to be an excuse, but bypassing those excuses and doing whatever you need to do to reach whatever goals you are regardless of the situation you're dealt because obviously no one's in the same starting point that's why i hate I, personally i hate the word guru and i hate like a lot of course creators because they position their course in the sense that if you do what i do you're gonna have the same exact results the variables do not align you may be like if you were dumped in an incubator and giving the same variables yes maybe but in real life you're going to run into different things. You're going to have different opportunities. You're going to have just freak luck sometimes. I mean, you're at a marketing event or you may sit next to somebody on a, you know, a plane ride and you make a connection and it opens up all these doors. So you don't know really what happens in life. So like taking whatever you're dealt and just making the most of it. Mm, mm, yeah, that's true. I, I, you took me back there for a second to sometimes when you sat on a plane and you meet someone and you just connect with them and there may be even... They, so sometimes it's serendipity, isn't it? Like they're even doing the a similar similar thing to you. They're in a similar marketplace. You know, they have done the same thing and they've got contacts for you. Sometimes moments like that happen and, and you've got to double down on them when they do because they're not always that frequent, I don't think. Pretty, pretty rare. Yeah, and I think taking those opportunities, like myself, I'm not necessarily like if I go to a marketing event, I'm not like, walking around, uh, you know, shaking everybody's hand or high-fiving, but it's like taking yourself out of the comfort zone, out of your comfort zone, especially with public speaking or presenting in front of people. In terms of studies being done, I, most people identified being more afraid to talk in front of people on the stage than actually of death. So everybody has that fear, but you just think it's you, you know? Everybody else is so confident and don't have these insecurities, but it's kind of like, okay, whatever, who cares what people think of me? because it's gonna benefit me, my business, my network. So let me go 
to a networking event like now with you know zoom and the pandemic and everything let me jump on zoom or a zoom or another platform let me meet people around the world and you really don't know where that conversation will go so it's like an awesome opportunity if you just seize the time and whatever you're working with regardless of you know a pandemic a recession or anything else that may be a hurdle or looks like a hurdle at the time mm, mm, yeah yeah for real now let's talk about on, on subjects of their kind of, we mentioned some goals and dreams and aspirations, but I would love to know, like, if you'd be happy to share some goals, dreams and aspirations about the future of what you do and, and your marketing agency. Yeah. So the podcast was an interesting kind of direction, which actually helped with that and uh, adding kind of uh, value and, and showing who I am and the agency is and just being a resource. Um, right now, it's more about just my personal podcast about people's all walks of life. And it's reached to a point where I can actually like have it as a as an arm or extension of, you know, my company also. So like this year is actually like a great time to monetize that and think about different partnership opportunities and stuff like that. And not that I didn't take it seriously, but really having a process to really scale. So that's kind of one of those things. And I think the buy-in there with, in terms of the podcast was audio content as a whole. I think it's a superior medium. And if you are not doing anything in terms of audio, you can repurpose it for so many things. And it's really the truly only kind of uh, content type that you can really multitask with. Obviously not process 100% of the things in terms of what you're listening to, but at least be safe doing it. So obviously you can listen to something, be at the gym, you can be driving, you can be you know, walking, whatever, working and listening to something and still processing it to a certain extent. You can't really do that with text, uh, image or video because obviously you have to concentrate, especially operating a machine or vehicle like that. So I think voice, in general, like I've invested a lot in double down in voice um, and, and and it's really paid off in that sense. Mm -hmm. And I think like podcasts, I've doubled down to incorporate podcasts in search engine optimization. So recommending them because there is a component of search engine optimization in terms of uh, link acquisition, relationship building. So obviously relevant sites, relevant uh, companies, industry-related news outlets, linking back to you or sharing your content or, or having your content in terms of um, you know, syndicated content or other opportunities where you can get your content on relevant sites that really link back to you and either offer obviously a, a referral traffic channel or add direct SEO value from a follow link. So before you would have to hunt for those situations. Now it's a lot easier because a lot of podcasts obviously have show notes. They have websites. They're willing to incorporate your business, your business website. And that adds a lot of value for referral traffic and that SEO value component as well to diversify your, um, your, your link profile in terms of search engine optimization. So I found audio and obviously used it to my advantage. So I think like with the advancement of technology and how, people consume information, especially during kind of COVID. I think um, audio is like an awesome platform. I, I think that's benefited me as you know a whole in general, doubling down on that. And I think mm -hmm. people overcomplicate marketing. So it's really having your core message, core values, and you know who you are as a company and or an individual and then packaging it. So I, I don't know if I want to use the bullet and the gun, but it's getting the right caliber bullet and putting it in the right gun. So obviously you have that content and you package it. And for wherever your people you're, that you're trying to reach, where they're spending majority of their time. 
So yes, I would encourage someone, maybe a, a white collar business to maybe at least have a TikTok platform, but a profile, but not necessarily spend all their time on TikTok. So mm -hmm. if I see like in terms of B2B, if we can do a lead generation campaign on LinkedIn and then have obviously an organic uh, content push on LinkedIn as well, that's where most of your you know target audience spends its time. So really packaging that content, making it consumable on that platform and figuring out where your target audience spends most of their time online. And people really overcomplicate that, but I feel like that's that's the formula of good marketing. Yeah, it's a great formula. And I think with regard to voice, it's it's convenience, right? People are looking for convenience now as 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 there is just so much out there and, and people's lives seem to just, you know, in the fast-paced world we live in, inevitably get busier and busier, workloads get busier, more stuff going on. And put the podcast format is just convenient, whether you have the time via video, it's nice to have the option, but just to be able to have the audio and have that just on sometimes even just as a background noise while you're doing something else you might not consume the whole episode but your gems of it will stick out that align to you um and then the other side of voice which you know i'm sure you're very aware of is you know the amazon echoes the google homes the alexas and how they are going to play out um at scale i think in the next few years whereby a lot more things are going to start to be ordered by voice, particularly by the way that you see children using voice as primarily, like rather than always tapping on the screen. I think, you know, those kids that are doing that now, they're going to grow up into teenagers who do it even more, who are going to grow up into adults who do it all the time. And, and voice, just because of the convenience of it and the way it will end up connecting to everything else, is going to be something that explodes in the next couple of years three, maybe five years. I don't know how long, but it's definitely going to happen. Yeah, smart home technology and things like if you ask Alexa, uh, tell me the, the nearest plumber in the area where obviously you can do certain things in terms of structured data and in terms of your website to help you show up as that result because you don't have a search engine results page where you have a numerous amount of potential you know companies to choose from. You have to think about and getting to that first person or first company that's being suggested mm, mm, yeah it's uh it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out and i think it's going to be you know like you say it's, it's getting that prime position like uh find me find me a plumber and user in new jersey find me my nearest wine shop and it's going to be about having that that prominent position so you're the answer that that is, is given back from the from the voice you know from the voice uh, machine whatever it is alexa amazon google home um yeah it's, it's going to be interesting to see how many people see that and go for them positions and i think because it, it's like a new brand new wide open thing so you'll get a lot of underdogs understanding it and taking the positions and then the and then the big dogs trying to come in and take them later yeah so i think it's, it's going to be an interesting time it'll be like a new a new wild west the voice will yeah, and there's different formats. There's things like news briefing. So if you want, you can make something in terms of related to your category and create news briefs where you have something related to your business or something informational that can help a potential listener that's listening for that specific thing and have obviously, you know, 365 specific uh, briefs, if you will, and different other things. So there's the opportunity of different content as well. It's not only that you know, suggestive nature when you're where you're looking for a service, you can sign up for somebody's news brief, you can do other things in terms of 
creating a skill. Um, and there's there's obviously opportunities as the demand grows. There'll be new implementations and obviously new options for um, practitioners of smart home technology as well. Mm, mm, yeah, absolutely. It's going to be really interesting to see. Now we're getting to the end of, of this episode, Roman, and uh, I think it'd be nice to close out from you, three hot tips from you as a marketer to anyone that's watching and, and look, perhaps already has their business. You know, they're already growing and flowing with the business, but they just, they want to get more traction online uh, and they just don't know really where to get started. Yeah. I mean, right now I would say networking, regardless if you're stuck in your home or you're uh, in a country where it's more free in terms of, you know, no more lockdowns or anything of that nature, really connecting with people, not necessarily even on the local, I would really encourage on a global basis and really tapping kind of who they are. So, I mean, for my podcast, I look at it as an, each interview as a networking opportunity and a learning experience. So taking one thing out of each interview and trying to apply it or learning more about it. So treating each opportunity or each person you you know meet in the street as a potential possible business relationship, friendship and adding something of value. Um, I, I've done that too with, like you mentioned, Gary Vaynerchuk. So one year I had a push, let me see how many people I can meet of caliber of people that, you know, I've listened to for free. So there was Max Levchin, co-founder of PayPal, Gerard Adams, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, all those people I ended up meeting for free. It was just a little legwork to figuring out where they were, what event and, and, and getting in there like different uh, company launch parties that, you know, I, I wasn't necessarily like the the target crowd there but somehow i managed to get in and it's one of those things where you know you don't have to pay thousands of dollars to reach the people that you think are influencers or maybe impactful and you know possible possibly developing a business idea or your business in general and if you just get maybe a minute or two obviously time is valuable for people I'm not gonna lie i got 15 minutes with gary vaynerchuk and briefly talked to him 15 20 seconds but there's kind of that seed planted and I can touch base. You know, I saw his dad outside and made it a point to talk to his dad, which was nice learning more about him and that way. So really not taking any opportunity for granted. And I think like you mentioned before, try every platform and don't just, you know, put all your eggs in one basket in terms of a strategy. I've seen many businesses to kind of like, in terms of an ego, like we're getting all our business from Facebook ads or, you know, search engine optimization before all the algorithm updates back in the day. And their mm -hmm. businesses were crushed based on one algorithm update, one change in terms of a platform and account being banned. So really diversify your presence and what you're actually doing online because don't depend on one thing and try to funnel it. Or if you're getting traffic or if you have a presence, take those visitors to a place you can control, you know, subscribing to an email list, doing something in terms of your website. So something that you can control and it doesn't go away in terms of a platform disappearing or you getting banned or something that's not controllable in that sense as well. Mm. Awesome, man. Really good, valuable information. If you guys have just joined us at the 46-minute mark, you will want to rewind that because there's been such good value there for, from Roman for anyone who is wanting to get some traction for their business in the online space. Of course, there's many, many ways of doing that, and that was probably quite a short tail answer to really what is a long-tail question. So, Roman, I can see a couple of books behind you. I'd love to know what you're reading at the moment. Uh, well, you, you mentioned crushing it. So <laughs> when I met Gary, he, he got to sign it. Um, Airbnb story. 
uh, transform Remy Adelike. It's a good story in terms of somebody coming from an inner city, becoming a Navy SEAL. So I think a lot of stuff in terms of uh, military discipline and people coming from, you know, uh, turbulent or tr like tr uh, very turbulent times, things of that yep. nature, and a lot of marketing stuff as well, even though like I obviously have a lot of skill set, but, you know, learning about people's experiences and specific real world, uh, real world case studies, I think gives you a different perspective as well. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I agree. Roman, if people want to connect with you or perhaps, you know, looking for someone to help with their marketing, I'm going to drop your links here in the comments, but you just want to tell the folks the best place to do that. Yeah, the website's novazuradigital.com. The podcast is the Digital Savage Experience. It's on like 30, 40 platforms. So Google it. I mean, you Google my name, hard last name, but I think I'm the number one in the world, mostly. <laughs> you can find me on any social platform or, you know, I'm fairly active everywhere. So Good, man. That's awesome. Um, please stay on because um, I'd like to speak to you quickly off camera, but thanks so much for joining me and giving you time and energy on the episode. Thank you to everyone, whether you're watching now, live or later. If you enjoyed the episode, if you got any value from it, please like it, give it a share to someone else that might as well. Thank you all. Have a great day.